The matchup is finally set as the Phoenix Suns will take on the Milwaukee Bucks in this year's NBA Finals. Welcome back to another episode of Baller Island. Jay Sahoda, Bilal Lahi, back at it as we will break down all the matchups, X-Factors, Finals MVP predictions, the whole thing on this episode. We will also discuss what a championship ring would mean to CP3 and Giannis's legacies ahead of the biggest games of their careers. Lastly, we will take a look back at some of our favorite Marv Albert memories as Marv, who is one of the best sports commentators in all of sports, recently retired from Turner Sports after 55 long, amazing years. Also, don't forget to give Baller Island a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more sports news and analysis. Welcome back to Baller Island, Jay Sahoda, Bilal Lahi, and we have finally made it to the NBA Finals after a month and a half of fantastic NBA playoff basketball. We are now down to two, and finally, for the first time in I don't know how long, we have two teams that are not named the Golden State Warriors, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Los Angeles Lakers the Miami Heat, Dallas Mavericks, or the San Antonio Spurs. B, we have the Milwaukee Bucks and the Phoenix Suns both making their first NBA final appearance since 1993 for the Suns and 1974 for the Milwaukee Bucks. God, I love it, man. A lot of people are going to point to injuries. A lot of people are going to maybe tune out because it's not LeBron or it's not Curry or whoever, but... Hey, from a star standpoint, you know, you got Giannis, you got Chris Paul. It's not the worst. It's not the worst. I hope Giannis plays, though. Oh, I really hope Giannis plays. It would not be the same if if he didn't. And I know you and I both right from the get-go have been saying how we want Giannis to get this opportunity. And that's why we both picked Milwaukee to get to this point. So that that's that's huge. We still don't know exactly whether Giannis is going to play or not. Heard some rumors earlier that he's been working out and he's going to try and play in Tuesday's opener, but we'll have to see what happens. But either way, I just think this is a great matchup. Two teams don't have a lot of finals experience. I think it's fairly evened on both ends. And I think this is going to be just a great series of really, really good basketball. And I'm looking forward to it. And we're going to take a nice dive into this championship series. And also, as you mentioned, Chris Paul and Giannis, we're going to take a look at, at what this championship series means in terms of their careers and their legacies, but we'll go into that in a bit. But how the Suns and Bucks got here, the Suns, been a wild ride for them. Obviously, we talked about it last week, the injury-riddled playoff run that it has been for the opposing teams that the Suns have faced. They faced a banged-up AD against the Lakers, no Kawhi Leonard against the Clippers. No Jamal Murray against the Denver Nuggets. But the Suns have found a way to get to the NBA Finals. And and, I'll t- and we'll get to that. And we'll get to the Suns. And and I think they, they truly did earn this opportunity. As for the Milwaukee Bucks, they destroyed a Miami Heat team who beat them in last year's playoffs in round one. Took down the Brooklyn Nets. And I think so far, arguably the best series of this playoffs thus far. And then took down the young, surprising Atlanta Hawks in the Eastern Conference Finals. Be any thoughts from the Conference Finals? Obviously, last time we ended off here was around Game 5, 6-ish to wrap up those last two, three games. Um, I, I just want to say, like, first of all, we got to shout out the Atlanta Hawks. Absolutely. Uh, um, Absolutely. Their, their run, nobody saw it coming. I can't give enough credit to, to Nate McMillan, Trey Young. Trey Young, he tried to play. I know he was hurting. So tough. Love it. Red Velvet, John Collins, Capella, you know, everybody. Bogdanovich, what a season they had. Cam Reddish had a few good games at the end. So shout out to those Hawks. But then, yeah, just from the conference finals, man, what really stuck out to me was Patrick Beverly played a great job on Devin Booker. And every time Booker was getting shut down, who came to the rescue? Chris Paul. Chris Paul has been on a damn mission this whole postseason. We saw it in that closeout game against Denver where he had 37. And then we saw it the other day closeout game against the Clippers, right? So it was a 20-point game. Clippers bring it to within seven. 
Chris Paul goes on his own 13-0 run and says, nah, I'm not, I'm not doing this. I'm ending this today. Finishes with 41, had like 30 in the second half. He's on a mission, man, and that was fun to watch. He put on a clinic. That was honestly one of the sickest things that I've seen in an NBA playoffs in a long time. And, you know, I've been saying this from day one of the playoffs that, you know, I'm rooting for Phoenix for one reason, and that's Chris Paul. And to see him be able to finally get to an NBA Finals and to see him celebrate the emotions come out at the end of that game six was truly special to watch. And I cannot express how happy I am to see Chris Paul get to this point. And now it's on to the next one. And you got to win four more to become world champs. It's all great when you get to an NBA Finals, but now you got to try and win it. But either way, just just an incredible moment to watch that happen and see Chris Paul celebrate that moment was pretty damn cool. But then to the actual game, my Lord, 41 points to see the way that he dominated the end of that game in that fourth quarter was just disgusting. And it was, like you said, just incredibly fun to watch. And I mean, I'm, I'm rooting for CP three, man. This is his moment. Like you mentioned, he's been on a mission from day one and here he is getting his moment, and I, I hope he really seizes this opportunity because, you know, this is this is what you play for. This is what you live for, these kinds of moments. So I'm excited for that. And as for the Milwaukee Bucks and going back to the Atlanta Hawks point, yeah, congratulations to the Atlanta Hawks on an absolutely incredible season. Nobody had them going this far. They were the one team that I did not know much about. I picked them to lose in pretty much everything series thus far. And to see them get to the point that they did, Trey Young, battling even with an injury and then last but not least congratulations to Nate McMillan on finally becoming now the new head coach of the Atlantics obviously he was the well interim deserved. head coach yep. very well deserved I think there would have been a riot if he didn't get that contract so I'm very happy that they got it done very quickly just a few days after they got eliminated so the future is very very bright for Atlanta but as for the Milwaukee Bucks I gotta say I'm impressed they took care of business. It looked a little ugly late there when the Hawks made a run, but you got to say Drew Holiday stepped up, Lopez stepped up, Poyta stepped up, Middleton stepped up, and the Milwaukee Bucks did their thing, and they finished it in six instead of letting it to go to game seven. And that's something that we didn't think was possible, you know, a series before. We're like, I don't trust the Bucks. Last week I said, if the Bucks, if we really want to take the Bucks seriously, they finished these next two games with or without Giannis, and they did just that. So I'm, and, I think yeah. we're in for a treat with this game or this series. And that one game, the first game that he got hurt, it was it was all Lopez. And I don't know, finally the, the big dude stood in the paint, and he just dominated. Yeah. He had like 30-something. And then your boy Middleton, how about Middleton in that second, in that last game? Hey, he just has these third quarters, fourth quarters, where he just doesn't miss. And I'm like – yeah, I was telling you this, man. He definitely ganked some of that that secret stuff. I don't know. He just has quick switch, and it's just like he's the greatest player in the world. And then every time else, he's just average. If he can, if he can play at that level, give them one or two games where he just has that switch, they got a shot. Yeah, Chris Middleton was something else. And going back to that game five without Giannis, I mean, look at look at this. The stats are amazing. Chris Middleton, 26. Brooke Lopez, 33. That does not, that certainly does not happen every night. Bobby Portis comes, steps up and drops 22. And then Drew Holiday drops 25. I don't think you could ask for more in that situation. They got PJ Tucker giving you five points, but we all know PJ Tucker is not there for offense. He's there for defense. And he came up with 11 boards. Milwaukee, it's, it's very interesting to me that th through the ups and downs of the net series and then going into the Hawks series, it still felt very up and down at times. But then as soon as Giannis went down, it seemed like the Bucks finally kind of came up and everyone kind of shared the load a little bit more. And if they can do that when Giannis comes back, watch out. I, I think the way that the Bucks play, if they can share the rock, that's something Phoenix has done really, really well this postseason. So I'm I'm looking forward to these matchups here. You know what? One thing I noticed, actually, was those two games without Giannis, the ball moved. It popped back, forth. That's how you got random dudes like Portis and, and Lopez Buckets because the ball was moving. You know, sometimes it's just like it's really weird to – you don't want to lose your best player. But, like, when you do, other guys step up. They get confidence. 
the defense doesn't know who to key in on, right? Ball yeah. moves all over the place. And now maybe it is a blessing in disguise. Now maybe in the finals, you know, Brooke Lopez says, hey, man, I dropped 33 in a, in a Eastern Conference final. I can do I can do this every time. So maybe he's going to have the confidence to, you know, match up with Aiton 50-50. Or maybe poor, all these guys are going to have confidence, building better habits, spreading the ball around. So maybe they just become a tougher team to defend now. Yeah, that's a that is very true, and I, I'm excited to see the matchups. Looking at this game, to see who PJ Tucker is going to defend in this series, I think will be very interesting. But like you mentioned, Brooke Lopez against DeAndre Ayton, I think is going to be a great matchup too. Or maybe it's Bobby Portis. I'm not really sure who it's going to be. But if they start two bigs, that's going to be really interesting because DeAndre Ayton. I mean, then again, they did a really nice job against the Lakers, who were a very particularly bigger team so but one thing though is is lopez is, can shoot the ball lopez might stretch out deandre Ayton. yeah that's that's a good point lopez can shoot the three deandre and does not so that definitely is something to to look out for but yeah if milwaukee continues to play as good as they are in the paint they're a different team when they don't sit back there and just chuck up threes all the time they're a very very good team so I, I don't know, man. This is going to be something else. Game one starts tomorrow night, Tuesday night. And then if there's a potential game seven, it would end on July 22nd, a Thursday night. Phoenix will get home court in this series. It's funny because Milwaukee has been very, very good at home. And so has Phoenix for the most part. Yeah, so home court yeah. has played a big deal in this series. And that's why I think this series is most definitely going to go six, seven games here. But... How important would you say Giannis being back is more of a big deal or do you think the Bucs could survive games one and two potentially if Giannis is not ready? I do think, I mean, come on, Giannis is the biggest deal there is. This is the the headline of of the finals, how healthy is Giannis going to be. But um, I do think if he doesn't play games one and two, I mean, the series isn't going to be lost in game one or two. We all know that. They, the series don't start until the road team wins, right? So yep. e- even if Phoenix holds serve and wins the first two games, which I do, I think they'll split. I think it'll be 1-1 by the time it goes back to Milwaukee. But if they hold serve and it goes 2-0, you still got to go in Milwaukee. Now Giannis is coming back. Crowd's going to be pumped up. Fear the deer outside the arena. And you got to win one game there. So it'll be tough. I don't think the series is going to be win and lost in those first two games at all. I think Milwaukee can just hold serve and we can go right back to Phoenix at 2-2. I I agree with that. I think if it, for some reason, does go 0-2, I think this series will definitely, the difference would be is if Phoenix could get a win in Milwaukee because the Bucs have been an awfully hard team to win in Milwaukee, right? I think the Hawks did it once and I think they're the only team to beat them. Yeah, and I think they're the only ones to have beat them. I think the Brooklyn series... No, all the games that they won were at home. So the really the only game that they lost, and it was by three points. So I think, yeah, if, if Phoenix truly wants to win the series, they got to win in Milwaukee and vice versa for the Bucks. I think home court will most definitely play a factor in this game. And I again, yeah, I, I know I, I really hate that so many people are going to be talking about, oh, is Giannis healthy? Is he healthy? But unfortunately, that is that is the case. But I mean, we'll end up seeing what's happening here. But looking at the matchups here between Milwaukee and Phoenix, so if Giannis starts, the, their lineup, I'm assuming, would be the same. Giannis, Middleton, Brooke Lopez, Drew Holiday, P.J. Tucker, and then the Suns, if they don't make any changes, it'd be CP3, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Mikel Bridges, and Jay Crowder. What are some matchups here that you're looking forward to going into this series when you're looking at both of those lineups? Uh, this is this is this is there's a lot, dude. There's a lot. Oh yeah. Um, the backcourt matchup though is Drew Holiday and Middleton against Chris Paul and Booker, and I just think Milwaukee just those two guys, Holiday and Middleton. We kind of poked fun at it. Those two guys, they just got to break even with those other two. Just break even, and I think you're good. I'm, I'm expecting Drew Holiday to guard uh, Devin Booker for most of the series, and then maybe down the stretch late he'll take on Chris Paul. Um, Middleton ain't a bad defender at all either so I'm looking at that and then the one that's interesting on the other side to me the wings of Phoenix Jay Crowder and you know Jay Crowder was a big part in building that wall in Miami against Giannis so Jay Crowder you got Mikel Bridges 
like those two specifically, Cam Johnson, those three wings are going to play some, they're going to wall up on Giannis and you're going to have Aiton stuck right in the middle, which is why I think Brooke Lopez being able to shoot is going to play a huge part. But those three ganging up on Giannis, it's going to be a tough physical series. I'm not expect. I'm expecting these games to be under hundred, honestly. I can see it. I, I do agree with that. I think the Bucks are a defensive team and the Suns can play that way as game four of the Clippers series was very low scoring. So the Suns can play that way too. But I think the funny part is when you look at the matchups of the backcourt, I find Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday much bigger. And because Chris Paul is not the most mm-hmm. biggest guy, but he's obviously we all know he's famous for his finesse and the way that he moves and, and all that kind of stuff. That is going to be a very interesting matchup. I think whoever Devin Booker match up, matches up against, whether it's Chris it Middleton be, right? or Drew Holiday, yeah, it would be one of those two, and I think that'd be a really, really good matchup to but see. Because I hold on, do you think they'll do you think they'll abuse it? Because they had the past two matchups in their favor the last two rounds, right? They had Kyrie Harden, then they had Trey Young and and Herder, and I, I I didn't see them really target them. So do you think that they'll actually switch it up this time? No. And, and it's funny that that was a good segue that you mentioned that point. That is where I think the Bucks have a significant disadvantage in this series. And that goes to the coaching. And I say that because when you look at who's able to make adjustments, I feel like Monty Williams is so much better at making adjustments than Budenholzer does. Because if Budenholzer can't make adjustments in a series like this, again, like you mentioned, Trey Young, Kyrie Irving, both who played very, very well. And if you let Devin Booker go off, as we've seen, because the Clippers made that adjustment, right, which we talked about previously, right? They put Pat Bev on him. And man, that's the, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. It, it's good. It's good. Yeah. Like, Monty Williams is just a lot better at adjustments. So I think that's going to be something to watch too. And if Bud can't make those adjustments late in the series, it's game over for Milwaukee. I'm looking at Bud as honestly the third smart, like the third smartest player in this series. I'm going one, I'm, I'm going Monty and Chris as a 1A, 1B. His adjustments alone, I think, are better than anything that Budenhoser will do. I, I just think Chris Paul just knows too much, and that, that is just going to negate what everything Bud's going to do. Phoenix is already going to be two steps ahead because of those two guys. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I, I can't wait for that matchup. And then you mentioned Mikel Bridges and Jay Crowder as well. Two guys who, like Mikel Bridges, I wouldn't say has had the biggest playoffs, but he's a guy who really makes a difference. But it's funny, when I look at this matchup, the one guy I think coming off the bench I think is going to be mm-hmm. my X factor going into the series as campaign. Because he... He, when he's healthy, of course, and I think he'll be a little more healthy. He wasn't at healthy near the end of the Clippers series. He really has showed out in this in this playoffs. When you look at the Bucks, they don't use a ton of guys off the bench, right? If if Giannis yeah. plays, then they use Bobby Portis and Pat Connaughton. Outside of those two, they don't really Forbes rotate. a little bit. Yeah, Forbes had that one good game. In Forbes, the Miami series, and that was it. He hasn't yeah, done jack since. Yeah, it, it kind of like, it's almost like it depends, right? And then you see Giannis's brother come on for like three minutes, and then Teague sometimes. I forgot Jeff Teague even existed until like the last few games. And then you go to the Suns, and you see, yeah, campaign you got off the bench. Sometimes they put Saric in there. Sometimes it's Tory Craig. Johnson, Some, Cam oh, Johnson. Cam Johnson. I knew I was forgetting somebody because Cam Johnson was hurt the last game. That's why I didn't see his name on the box score. That it, Cam Johnson is a big guy off the bench, 100%. Great call there. Payne, Saric, Johnson, Etuan Moore, Torrey Craig. Monty Williams makes a lot of different adjustments based on the game, and that goes to my point. Milwaukee's going to need to make those adjustments going into the series because Phoenix is deep. They use a lot of their guys off the bench. Even I wouldn't be surprised if, if Monty Williams threw in Frank Kaminsky for a few minutes off the bench too, because he could give you minutes. Javon Carter's another guy that know you and I both loved in college. They could throw him in there and he could give you a few minutes as well. So I like Phoenix really deep in that regard, but I, yeah, I'm yeah. campaigns my guy off the bench, but I like your Cam Johnson call, man, because he can really make a difference too. Campaign is perfect because you notice it when he's in and Chris Paul's out, the pace just changes completely, right? He's yeah. like a little kid in a candy shop. He just like all over the place, quick as hell. Like it's like so fast. And just to like in a game where 
I'm expecting both teams to play their starters heavy minutes, right? And it, it, you just – all you really need is, like, a quick three-minute burst, and the whole game can change. So if campaign comes on, especially with that home crowd in the Valley, he comes on, quick three-minute burst at the end of the half or something like that, maybe it's a three layup, and he's been dishing the rock like crazy well too. And Milwaukee going to not know what just happened, and then they're not the team that can kind of really, you know, quicken the pace or play at a pace that campaign provides. So he's going to be a huge, huge part in this series. And now one thing I'm looking forward to, not even related to the games, but I'm looking forward because I see Devin Booker. He's always beefing people. I'm looking to see Devin Booker and P.J. Tucker. I want to see if Booker got the, the cojones to go head-to-head with P.J. Tucker. I could I could see that. And that's, you know, it's funny because P.J. Tucker is usually the guy that you put on to, to lock down a guy. So if Devin Booker's going off and he drops like 20 in the first half or something, would you put P.J. Tucker on Devin Booker? And try and shut him down. Because P.J. Tucker is the kind of, like you mentioned, he's the kind of guy that will get in your head. And Devin Booker, yeah. as we've previously seen, gets get rattled in, yeah. by that. And yeah, yeah. and then you, you see, you start seeing a fight break out and all that stuff. So, I, I don't know. If you if you were in Bud's shoes and Devin, Devin Booker's going off, would you make that switch and put P.J. Tucker on him? See, the thing is, I don't think P.J. can guard him. Because I think Booker's too small. You know what? Yeah, it's like fair. PJ, I think, does better on bigger dudes. But yeah. I, I, I'm not going to – he's not going to be my initial assignment. My initial assignment would be Drew, press him full court. A guy like DiVincenzo would be perfect too, which I don't think he's going to play in this series. But Yeah, doubt it. PJ, I, I'm so down. If, if Drew's getting cooked, put on PJ and just – because one thing we know, 100% of that is going to happen in this series. PJ Tucker is going to be physical. Right. Oh yeah. He he just put him on him, muscle him up for a couple possessions. Right. Booker will definitely get rattled. He'll definitely. I feel like he'll for sure crack. And you don't want to waste a guy like a, a defensive talent like PJ Tucker on on Jay Crowder. Right. Yeah, so I agree. For, it, it makes sense just to like again change the pace. You don't change the pace to fascinate. Sometimes you just let him know you're here. Give him a little shot. Right. Let him know. Nah, no, nothing's going to be that easy. You're going to have to work for your shit. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm trying to say, right? Slow the pace down, get rid of the momentum, because that's ultimately yeah. what's going to dictate this entire series, right? Really, that's what, hap- that's what dictates you in the... Exactly. Momentum shifts is what, not even just in the finals, but in playoff basketball, that's all it is, man. I mean, look at the Atlanta Hawks, man. Without momentum shifts, they wouldn't. they would never have gotten this far if it weren't for that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, this is – it totally is going to be about that. And I think those are two things to look at in these first few games in this series is one, going to be the adjustments by the coaches. I think probably more into game three, four. Because right? after the first two, then you switch it up. Games three and four is where, you're really, where you'll really see adjustments. Maybe in game two, even earlier. But that's one thing to keep an eye out. And then two, how these coaches utilize their bench – and who ends up starring off the bench. You and I both like campaign. It'll be very interesting. That's a good call about DiVincenzo as well. He's a guy, after the first round, I completely forgot about him. Yeah, let's see if that does make an impact, his loss. If that does make an impact for Milwaukee, we'll have to see that then. But, I mean, this this series, ultimately, you know, now that we've talked about the matchups and all that, it's funny that out of this entire series, there was only one player that has had NBA Finals experience. Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder. He is the Last only year. guy. I was honestly kind of, like I I knew there wasn't a lot of Finals experience, but I was shocked to see that he was the only player in this series that has been to a Finals. I thought was kind of crazy, and I think when you do look at it, Phoenix I would say has the advantage in the sense that Monty Williams has been there as an assistant, but so has Budenholzer. So I can't really say that that coaching's a difference. Both have been to, to a finals as an assistant. So there you at least um, have that. How about, um, there's a lot of these dudes have big time college experience. I mean, like, I know it's completely different, but a guy like DiVincenzo who balled out in the national championship yeah. game off the bench. I mean, you know, he ain't going to be scared, right? That's one dude. I mean, I, I know it's college. It's not the NBA, but, Mm-hmm. At least he's shown you he's can he can do it. 
right? Yeah. You got like Frank the Tank on on Phoenix. He's been he was in the national championship game, right? Yeah. Like there's not maybe not a lot of NBA big time experience, but a lot of these guys. Cam Johnson won a, t- a title, like a lot of college experience at least. So Devon Devon Booker, Mikel Bridges, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of these guys have won in college and just yep. haven't had the opportunity to, to prove themselves in the NBA yet. That's a terrific point. Yeah. That you, that you put on there because that is true. Yeah. Mikel Bridges at Michigan state, Devin Booker won the undefeated. Villanova. Well, that's right. I got the mixed up. I got the mixed up. That's the other one. Yeah. You're right. Villanova. Devin Chenzel is a great one. Um, Devin Booker was on that undefeated Kentucky team. Pat Connaughton was on that Notre Dame team that almost beat that undefeated Kentucky team. Frank so, Kaminsky did beat that undefeated. Kentucky. And there, there you go. There's a lot of a lot of players from that from that 2015 March Madness season, which was a great tournament. So yeah, that is a good point. I know it definitely isn't the same, but the Final Four is still you know a big enough event and it's a one game takes all too so there's nerves there right oh absolutely absolutely and you and like you mentioned in all three of those instances in that game man that kentucky team was playing with an undefeated record on their shoulders and then wisconsin's trying to beat that team with an undefeated record so there's a lot of pressure that existed in that year that i think will help these young guys or these inexperienced players in this championship that's that's a great call actually that but I mean, yeah, there's a lot of experience. There's a lot of college experience with those players, and not a lot of finals experience for a lot of them. But when you look at these two organizations, two completely different stories here. You have Phoenix, who hasn't been to the playoffs in ten years, makes their first finals appearance since '93. As for the Milwaukee Bucks, they've been searching for this opportunity for the last five years. They lost in the first round twice in 2017 and 2018. Then they made it to the conference finals in Budenholzer's first season, lost to the Raptors in the conference finals, were the one seed, come back last year, were the one seed again, lost in the second round, and now they're finally in the NBA finals as they were the three seed. Two very different journeys to this point, I think you guess would be the best way to put it, as the Bucks have been do- have been going it this far. Do you think this would be the time where Phoenix's inexperience catches up to them? Or is it fair to say that? I mean, at this point, I mean, I, I'm, I'm thinking what you're trying to say, like Devin Booker being on those trash teams. And this is kind of like that Philly point that we were talking about, right? Where they were tanking every year. And like, you have that loser, like you build losing habits, Right. But I think yep. Chris Paul just came in and just nipped it all, like straight off the bat. Yeah, that's a great call. And honestly, I I mean, I, I would say that, but then the thing is, if that were really true, they would have caved against one of those three teams that they beat on their way to the finals if that were really true and they were truly inexperienced. But the way that Phoenix plays is just... I, the best word that I can say is just they're just such a complete team, the way that they play. So that's why I don't think that that's going to be true. But I still I mean, do see some of those, those losing habits in Booker, though. I still do see it. And it's not just him getting rattled. Well, one, it, it, like he, when he gets rattled, he, he loses touch of the game. And he, he tries to go like mano a mano and stuff. And I still see a little too much hero ball from him sometimes where he's like, okay, you know what? We're down. They're on, they're, we're on the other side of a run. I got to come make a big time three. But it's not about that. Sometimes you just need to get a layup, right? You can't get it all yeah. back in one shot. So I still see some of those things in, in Booker, but I think Chris Paul's done a great job nipping all those habits. Oh, absolutely. No doubt. And it's it's good that you brought up Chris Paul. That's exactly where I'm going with next is, you know, something that you and I both wanted to talk about on this episode, and that's Chris Paul finally getting to the finals for the first time in his 16-year career. But then you got Giannis who's making the finals for the first time in his career, only eight years, which is half of what CP3 has played. But both of them, when you look at the stars of today's NBA, both of those names come up fairly often. So that obviously brings us to the topic of what does this championship series do to their legacies? We'll start with Chris Paul. I'll let you go first. Oh, man. Chris Paul. Okay, so he 
is in the mix to be a top five point guard of all time. Um, to me, Magic is one. He'll pretty much always be number one. Steph is two now at this point. And now if he if Chris Paul wins a championship, he's in the territory where it's Isaiah Thomas. I, he might even pass Stockton with a ring. And then he's in the territory with Oscar Robertson. So that's his company to me. The difference is, is Stockton's got the longevity points, right? Stockton has 5,000 more assists than the next dude all time. Leads the NBA in assists, leads the NBA in steals. So longevity-wise, he's not going to pass Stockton. And then he's made it to the finals twice, too. So if Chris Paul missed, loses this series, I mean, you still got to give the edge there. And then Isaiah, he, he's, been, he's been to two. And he had – we talk about some of these games where Chris Paul takes over. Isaiah was known for that as a small dude, whatever, broke his foot against the Lakers, still dropped 40. Like, he was known for those types of performances. So, for him to pass Isaiah, he's going to need an all-time, all-time finals run. So, he's right in the mix. Championship would definitely make me feel good, definitely boost him up, but he ain't touching the top two guys for me. Yeah, no, I can get behind that. Because this is his first appearance, right? And we don't know whether he's going to win it or lose it. So when some of those other guys have been to multiple, Steph having gone to, what, five, one, three, Magic having gone to, what is it, like eight finals that he's been to is just ridiculous. So obviously CP3 is not going to get that far. But it's funny when people have this conversation of who's the greatest of all time, or who's the best of all time. I've always said that, like, it really depends on what angle you look at it. So I think if someone were to ask the question of who's the best point guard of all time and who's the greatest point guard of all time, I think they're two separate things, at least in my eyes. Best meaning kind of going to what you said. Best meaning player, how many championships you have, your stats, all that stuff. Greatest, I think, just goes on to the kind of player you are, where you've been. And I think in both categories, in terms of best point guard, Chris Paul, yeah, you got to win this to be in the top five for sure. Top three at least, but top five, yeah, you got to no, win this. Top, top five or six, yeah. Yeah, absolutely right. You got to win this to be in that conversation. Chris Paul will always be one of the best point guards to play this game and be in the NBA, no doubt. But in terms of where he's ranking in the top 10 or so, yeah, you definitely, most definitely have to win this championship. That would put the cherry on top of his already amazing career being an 11-time All-Star, 10-time All-NBA team, 9-time All-Defensive team. What Chris Paul has done has been fantastic. So I definitely agree with you in the sense that if you want to be one of the best point guards of all time, yeah, you got to win the you got to win this title. As for being one of the greatest point guards or greatest players, whatever you want to call it in the NBA, yeah, a championship would most definitely put it over the top. Getting here helped a lot, but winning would just really change the script when you look at Chris Paul. Because when I think of the word great, I don't just look at stats, but I look at where you've been. Have you helped elevate your team? You know, have you won in the playoffs? Have you stepped up with your team? Chris Paul's done all of that. Chris Paul. You look at the New Orleans Hornets before they were even the Pelicans when Chris Paul got drafted there. If you look at like the last few years before he got drafted, the Hornets were garbage. Chris Paul comes in, they make the playoffs three straight years. They lost in the first round, but he still got them to the playoffs. Then he goes to a good Clippers team. That wasn't a very good success, but they still made the playoffs. Chris Paul was still a very vital team. You look at the the Los Angeles Clippers before Chris Paul got there and after Chris Paul got there, not very good. Then he moves on to Houston, and I think that's the only place in Chris Paul's career that he was expected to win. I think we can kind of agree with that, right? Houston's no, kind don't, of... I don't... He wasn't expected to be Golden State. You don't think they were expect? I would say... Okay, no. Not against that Golden State, they were not, like, expected. But I would but say... They the got, expe- hold on. They were arguably a hamstring away from beating Golden State. They, yeah. And then they had to go in game seven and miss 27 threes or whatever it was in a row. Like, yep. It had two awful breaks for them not to make the finals. Yeah, yeah, I, exactly. But I think that's more of what I'm saying. I, I to agree with what you said. They weren't expected to beat that Golden State team, but the expectations when they, when they made the trade for Chris Paul, 
Houston's expectations went all the way to, yeah, we got to win a championship. Now's the time to do it. And it was very disappointing that one, Chris Paul got injured, and two, they couldn't finish it. Now moves on to Oklahoma City last year. I think was one of, I think last year and this year, last year and this year with OKC and Phoenix, to me, I don't, I'm, I'm hesitant to say define Chris Paul's career, but it was a significant thing that I will look at when I look back at Chris Paul's career five, 10 years from now and say, those two years were absolutely incredible. And it goes to show his leadership on and off the court, what he did in the bubble, not just with the Thunder, but off the court with all the, you know, racism and all that kinds of stuff off the court, what Chris Paul was able to do to lead the NBA and figure out how to go about that situation was just phenomenally done. Amazing leadership. Then he comes to Phoenix. We saw what Phoenix did in the bubble was good stuff. We all thought that, you know, Phoenix would, the future looked bright for them, right? And if they didn't have Chris Paul, I think Phoenix would have been like a, maybe a six or seven seed, maybe even an eight seed. Would have went to the playoffs, probably lost to the Lakers or whatever, and be like, oh, you know, good experience, but come back next year. But the fact that I would say that for a team without Chris Paul, and you put Chris Paul on that team, and they went all the way to the NBA Finals, absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. And to me, that's great. So I would put him in that conversation as, yes, if he wins this championship, absolutely I'd put him as one of the greatest point guards. And yes, up there, obviously the list of greatest NBA players is very, very long. But I would put him in that grouping of one of the greatest to ever play this game. Uh, to me, that OKC one is is his... Uh... That is the best thing I can think of for him. That OKC team, I don't think people recognize how bad. At the start of the year, they were mock drafts had them at the number one overall pick. Like, they were supposed to tank that year, right? I think that at the beginning of the year, there was like a 0.9% chance they'd make the playoffs. 0.9. And this guy got them to a four or five seed. I can't remember. One of those two. Four or five seed in the Western Conference. So, that is his biggest accomplishment to me at this moment before he wins the NBA championship, if he does. But that is is crazy. But the thing about it is 30 years from now, not many people are going to remember how bad that OKC team was supposed to be, right? Not many people are going to realize how much he lifted these teams up, right? They're going to look at the stats, be like, oh, zero championships, Yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the unfortunate part. But if he does get this ring this year, it'll make everything. But honestly, yep. right now, I do think, besides being a great point guard, I, as rude as this sounds, I think he's known for being like the most snake-bitten player. Snake-bitten superstar, right? You look at one year, he was in, 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 in uh, L.A., right? And they had title aspirations. He broke his hand. Yep. The next year right Harding goes out against the Clippers right because he's still on the Clippers at this moment Harding goes out Josh Smith and Corey Brewer have the game of their lives and they lose right then there was the year with his hamstring then there was the year then he he had the veto trade going to the Lakers to play with Kobe Bryant right then there's the hamstring game where you know they could have made the finals that year this year they tried they tried to snake bite him too with the, the shoulder and, and the COVID thing. So knock on wood, let's hope everything's good for this finals round because that six or seven brutal things that have happened to this dude and has stopped him of getting his goal. That's a good call. I would say that's true for now. We're, depending on how this series goes, I think would be confirmed. If Phoenix loses, I would say definitely confirmed. If Phoenix wins, I would say that's debatable. But up until now... You're absolutely right. Those are just straight facts. And and that is CP3's career, really, of a series of unfortunate events, which has made this title run so special for what it is. And back to your point, too, is that's what makes... That's why everyone always has a hard time and we always go in circles when we talk about who's the greatest of all time and best because everyone has a different definition for what the best and what the greatest of all time is, Right. I got a different definition. You got a definite. We've all got a different definition as to how we see things, right? But at the end of the day, I think for both discussions, I think we both agree, and I think a lot of people will agree, Chris Paul will be much more known to say, 
remember when he won that championship opposed to remember when he led Phoenix to a championship, two much different things. And I want Chris Paul to be remembered for what, for really for all the other great things that he's had. Because when you talk about winning a championship, then you go down the line and you think, wow, he had great leadership and, and on and on and on. It's almost kind of like what we saw earlier in the year in the, not the basketball season, but the year of 2021 in the NFL with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Obviously, the only difference between Tom Brady and Chris Paul is Tom Brady won the Super Bowl six times prior to winning this year with Tampa. Chris Paul has never been to a finals. That's the only difference. Other than that, both have had extremely high success in the league. Both went to a team that had literally no success in the playoffs at all. Hardly any playoff experience led them to a championship. I see a lot of similarities there, and you're seeing it here again with CP3, as we saw with Tom Brady in Tampa Bay earlier. I see I was actually I was actually thinking about that too, but the difference is, as Tom Brady just knows how to win, like he's just a winner. But from a leadership standpoint, I totally see it. Like it's like the fact that, yeah, Tom Brady's gonna get in your face. He's gonna call you out. We same thing with Chris Paul. We see Chris Paul had a lot of beef with um, DeAndre Jordan, with Doc Rivers, right? Now even this year, he said him and Aiden had a really bad relationship earlier in the year, but now it's just like Aiden loves him. Right, Aiden's like this is the best thing that's ever happened in my career. Yeah. Same thing with Brady. Right, Brady's gonna, he ain't gonna be your friend. Right, he just wants to win. Right, yeah. and if you're not playing to those standards, then I'm sorry. We we can be friends after we win because winning solves everything. Yeah, no doubt. And I think that's that's exactly where I put them in the same classes for their leadership. No doubt. And you know, we'll have this conversation. We'll keep this conversation going throughout the remainder of the playoffs and even going into the off season and see what happens here but either way man Chris Paul just again just great great to see him where he's at right now and I can't wait to see what he does in this series and I I hope he shines the way that he did in those closeout moments of that Clippers game and same with the Nuggets series but going now shifting gears to Giannis eight years obviously the biggest thing that we've already talked about is is he even gonna play in games one and two obviously looking at just game one first and then game two and so on and so forth Will he play? But Giannis has already accomplished a lot considering he's only had half of what Chris Paul has had. Chris Paul's been in the league for 16 years. Giannis has been in the in the league for eight. But Giannis has won the MVP twice. He's won the Defensive Player of the Year once. He's a five-time All-Star. He's made the postseason five out of eight years. Giannis has had, I'd say, a pretty great career up until this point. But you made a good call earlier about players reaching their prime at a certain point. So I'll let you take it away from here. Yeah, to me, I always thought um, basketball players hit their prime 27, 28, right? And that I, I was bringing up some examples of what Giannis has accomplished, not even hitting his prime yet. Maybe these last two years were the start of his prime. But he's early in his prime. I don't even think he's really hit hit his prime yet. But it, his trajectory does look like an all-time great, right? You, you touched on his accolades, Depoy, right? Two-time MVP. Now, if he had to chip, right, he's accomplished everything you really need to accomplish by 26 years old, right? And for reference, I think Devin Booker is 24 years old, right? And we give Devin Booker all this, you know, leeway. We're like, oh, he's young, he's young. But then we constantly batter trash on Giannis even though he's not that much older than him right that's just the superstar way treatment so I was thinking of the similarity when LeBron James right by the time he was in his eighth year in the league he's been to two finals he's lost two of them right he's had a couple MVPs at this point and those were the years when the memes and all the trash of him choking especially after the JJ Barea finals and we're like, this guy can never be the GOAT, whatever, all this stuff. And it's this is kind of what we're going through right now with Giannis, right? Who knows? Maybe in 10 years, we're talking about Giannis like we're talking about LeBron. But in terms of their pace, right? Giannis's pace at only 26 was accomplishing more, if not the same, as LeBron James, right? Michael Jordan didn't win his first championship till 27, right? Kevin Durant didn't do much till he joined the Warriors. And that was when he was 28, I think 27, 28, right. He went to the finals one time against, against uh, Miami, but that was it. So I'm saying all of these all time greats 
not play the, the the wing positions, right? It takes a while to learn the game, especially a guy like Giannis. He hasn't he hasn't been playing basketball for very long, right? And it's not like the other three guys that I just named. Those three came in, top two, top three picks. LeBron was the number one all pick, the most hyped player of all time. Those three guys came in with expectations. This guy's already passed every expectation he's mattered. He was drafted 15th overall out of Greece. Nobody expected, nobody even knew how to pronounce his name, right? He's already passed every bar that we could have thought of. Yeah, and you know what? Giannis has also had a really great playoffs for when he has played. And I think that's the difference when you look at a guy, obviously when you talk about LeBron James now, you know, what's he mainly... What's he mainly remembered for is for taking over games. Giannis, again, is still growing, like you mentioned. He's still getting better as time goes on. And I still think that he has a lot more things to get better at, including obviously free throw shooting is completely trash at right now. But I think that's something that he'll eventually get better with over time. Same with his three-point shooting isn't exactly the greatest, but you can clearly see that he's getting better at it. Now we'll see where he goes. And you look, I mean, he was averaging 28 points throughout the season. And we look at how he was doing in the playoffs prior to him getting injured. It was very good stats for the most part. In game four, he had 33. In game three, or game four, rather, he had 33. Game three, he had 25. Game two, 34. Yeah, he's a walking 30 and 12. Yeah, and then you look at the Brooklyn series, 34, 33, 34, 34, 30, 40 in game seven. I mean, Giannis has played at a very high level in this postseason. And for me, that's something that I look at when I talk about one of the stars in our league to this day. Can you take over a game? Now, I'm going to give Giannis the benefit of the doubt in this series because we know that even if he plays, he's not going to be playing 100%. But if Giannis comes out and he plays similar to how Joel Embiid did against Atlanta... Oh my goodness, you you and Milwaukee ends up winning this series. I'm gonna have major respect for Giannis. And I'll tell you what, when I think of the word legacy, I think of things like that. Playing in NBA finals hurts and putting up those numbers and winning a chip. That's what I think when I talk about legacy. None of the all of the other stuff. Giannis, yeah, sure, like you mentioned, he's accomplished all these great things at such a young age, but man. This is what championships are all about. This is what the NBA Finals are all about. Creating that legacy for yourself, right? When you think of the word legacy, you think of guys like LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, et cetera, et cetera. They've all done what? Won championships, created a legacy for themselves by making championships, by winning championships. This is, this is a really great opportunity for Chris Paul and Giannis to make their name and create their own legacy for what it's been. And it's for CP3. I wouldn't say create because he's so near the end. That's exactly what I was going to say. This is, this is the cherry on top of his legacy. Giannis. Now I would say this will help him create his legacy because I would say at this rate, I would hope that Giannis is playing into year 16, eight years from now, but that's, I think what I got to say here. And I think throughout this series, I think, We'll, we'll keep this topic rolling for the remainder of the yeah. series because I want to see how both of them play. I agree. No, I'm just waiting. So one of, one of the things that I really realized, so when I was talking about all these other guys that, you know, haven't accomplished what he accomplished at his age, right? So the, the timing for me when, when LeBron switched, the second he, when he got to Miami and after he lost that first series against Dallas, the second year, him and D Wade were like, man, let's just let's just be crazy efficient, right? Him and D Wade were, I swear, were shooting like sixty percent for the year field goal percentage. They were like on a tear, and from a guard in a forward spot, it was ridiculous, right? Because at that point, they're in the prime, right? D Wade was a little bit at the end of his prime, but LeBron, right? They knew now at this point what they were good at, what they weren't good at, right? That's when LeBron became a a respectable three-point shooter, right? So I'm still waiting for Giannis' his, his light to, to go off and be like, you know what? Nobody can stop me two feet in. All I'm going to do is shoot that. I'm going to work on my three-point shot. I'm going to get it up to, to 35 36%. That's all I got to shoot, keep the defense honest. But I'm just not going to miss anymore. I'm just going to – I know what I'm good at. I see the floor differently, right? And that's when both of those dudes were playing off each other, passing the rock, 
knew, especially when the double was coming, this is a big point, right? When, when they get double teamed, corner threes open or when to kick it out, when to not take that extra dribble. I'm just waiting for Giannis to pick up on those little things that Chris Paul has taught Devin Booker at such an early age. Yeah, that's a great point. And that's exactly what I was saying too, is that, you know, Giannis is still growing. He's still developing. And I think he will get there where he perfects his game to that point where he's a much better free throw shooter, a much better three point shooter, a better mid range shooter up until that point. But I mean, sky's the limit for Giannis. And like we mentioned for Chris, for CP three, this is, you know, how you solidify your legacy. But for Giannis, this is a huge opportunity and, I hope he's out there tomorrow night. If not, I hope he's out there in game two. So I can't wait for this. Picks. Who you got? I want you go first. I got I got a, a nice little storyline for mine. This is you know, I had Milwaukee at the beginning of the playoffs winning here. So and I've also said that if the Lakers did lose in the first round to Phoenix, that they would be here. So I got both of those things right, and I'd be happy either way. If Giannis won a chip, I'd be very, very happy for him. He's one of my favorite players to watch. Chris Paul winning in Phoenix would be just awesome to watch, like I mentioned before many times. The way that I've watched both these teams play thus far, I like the Phoenix Suns, and I like them in six. I think You're this go is away from your, your pre-playoffs bet? I am going to go away with that, and I say that because I feel more comfortable taking Phoenix. Milwaukee is too you know, wishy-washy with their their playing. Like, one night they're great, one night they're not that great. But Phoenix is consistent, and the only time I saw them inconsistent was in game, I think it was game five against the Clippers. Is the only time where I looked at them and said, something's off. Every other game, Phoenix is just so all-around, super talented, super good. I know they're young. I know they don't have a lot of experience. But to beat the Los Angeles Lakers, I don't care if Anthony Davis was hurt for a few games. You still beat LeBron James in the first round. You deserve a lot of credit for that. Beating the MVP and Nikola Jokic, I know Jamal Murray was out, but you still deserve a lot of credit because that same Nuggets team beat Damian Lillard. So I'll give you credit for that too. And then taking down the Clippers, I know, not the same when you don't have Kawhi Leonard playing the entire series, but the Clippers still were a great team and... I think that the Suns' road to the finals is just, it was against much better teams than Milwaukee. Yeah. Milwaukee gutted out a great series against Brooklyn. No, no kidding. But I just, I feel more comfortable taking Phoenix, and I think they're the better all around team. I think Milwaukee has the better all around talent as a team, but Phoenix, their chemistry is honestly, it's been incredible to watch. I like Phoenix in six. Phoenix and six MVP. Chris Paul. This is his moment to shine, man. This is a shine. I think a, a, um, if Chris Paul doesn't win, I think Devin Booker, but I'm going to say Chris Paul. This is, this is his moment to shine, man. Yeah, no, I think that the game. So first round Phoenix was down two one, right. Against the Lakers and the Lakers blew them out in that game three at Staples. And, you know, LeBron was dancing. All these guys are dancing on the bench. And they were down 2-1 Phoenix. But for them to come back and claw, claw that one out, I'm with you. So I originally picked Milwaukee and the Clippers in the finals, and I picked the Clippers beating Milwaukee. So I'm just going to stick with the west side. Phoenix beat the Clippers, so I'm going to go Phoenix over Milwaukee in this one. But here's my, here's my, my storyline. Ready for this? Phoenix wins in seven, okay? I'm okay. going Chris Paul with the MVP, Okay. We get a classic performance in Game 7. Here's my call. Write this down. 39 points in Game 7, 27 in the second half. He wins the game in Game 7, wins Finals MVP. Then he does the John Elway, Peyton Manning, and he retires. Damn. (laughs) God damn. I mean, mean, I'm not going to lie. I I thought about that too, that if he wins, he – calls it quits i've thought of that too but i think cp3 just has that dog in him that if he does win it he'll come back for a second he'll be like damn we won one i want two i think he has that kind of motivation but i wouldn't be surprised either so hold up so 39 points in game seven 27 points in the second half correct 27 in the second half incredible incredible that is noted (laughs) down 
and we'll see we'll see what happens in game seven. I wouldn't be surprised if this goes to game seven just because Milwaukee and Phoenix both are very, very resilient in and how they've been. They're pretty even to me. They're pretty yeah. even. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if this goes seven at all, honestly. But I'm I'm gonna stick with with Suns and Six. But man, if this goes to game seven, that would just be man, that would be a lot of fun. But that's noted. That's a that is a crazy hot take. I might I might even put that on a post on social media, honestly. That is that is an incredible hot take. But man, I can't wait for the series. But before we end off this episode, there's one last thing that we gotta get to here, and that is we gotta salute one of the best sports commentators to ever commentate any sport. That is Marv Albert, who retired. He commentated his last game, game six of the Bucks Hawks series. He was with TNT for or turned to sports rather for many, many, many years. He, you know, from the Michael Jordan days to the Steph Curry, LeBron James days, Marv Albert has done it all, seen it all, had some amazing March Madness moments. I know for me, one of my favorite Marv Albert moments was Trey Burke's late game three-pointer in March Madness. I think it was the Sweet 16 of the Elite Eight against Kansas in 2013 or 2014. That, to me, was one of the one of the calls that I'll remember most. Another one, LeBron, when he was with Cleveland against Orlando way, way, way back in the Ooh, day. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, that was another one that I'll always remember. But Marv Albert has had a lot of really, really great calls. Um, I wish he got a chance to announce in the last few uh, NCAA tournaments as well. I know he didn't, you know, just to take off the load and focus on NBA, which totally understandable. But again, just want to say, you know, Marv Albert, again, just every basketball fan out there, whether it's college, NBA, or both, just thank you for all these years of giving us an amazing experience at home when we're watching games. And I wish him nothing but the best in retirement. Yeah. I think he's been doing it 55 years or something all the yep, way back to when, to when he was a play-by-play with the Knicks. And um, the one thing about it is back then, you know, basketball wasn't, it wasn't what it was today. Right. If you were, if you were an analyst, you want, you'd want to do football or you'd want to do baseball, but for this guy to choose basketball, do basketball for 55 years, and the thing I, I love that separates him from everybody else to me is that he, he gets really excited, right? He's got, like, you see, like, he's just a fan of the game. He loves, loves, loves the game. He loves it almost more than – he loves it more than any other announcer to me. And that's what I see, that this, like, the, his reactions to some shots. He's just like, oh, my goodness. And just – I just love it. He's he's the best commentator that I've ever listened to. And that's it, man. He's He's the GOAT for me. Yeah, he is definitely something else. And actually, I completely forgot. He even did some NFL, too, for CBS as well. So Marv has done it all. But yeah, Marv was no doubt one of the greatest announcers of all time in sports, that is. And obviously, I think going forward, I would hope Turner Sports goes with Kevin Harlan as the new number one commentator, which I think wouldn't be so bad. I love Kevin Harlan. Like He's another Kevin guy. Harlan. Yeah. He has a ton of passion in what he does. He really gives us a really, really good experience. Um, but either way, but, it's going to be oop. incredibly difficult to replace Marv yeah. Albert. And him and him and Fratello had a, a dynamic duo that you can't Reggie or Chris Weber. Those guys didn't then couldn't stack up to Fratello and and uh, Marv. They just had a different kind of dynamic. Yeah, I didn't even remember too much of that. Honestly, I think more of when I started watching it was more of Marvin, Chris Weber, for what at least I remembered. But again, either way, just, you know, a lot of great memories that we've had. And I'm sure there'll be a lot more um, to come with whoever whoever does end up replacing him. Like I said, I'm just picking Kevin Harling because I think he was, the, he was the number two commentator for Turner. So I would assume he would get the number one. So hopefully it is him. But having said that, Game one of the Bucks Sun series goes tomorrow night in Phoenix, game two on Thursday. So by the time we get back on here next week, it should probably be the end of game three going into game four. So we'll see what happens. Adjustments, man. That's my biggest thing to look forward to in these first few games. Is Mike Budenholzer going to make those adjustments after game one? Is PJ Tucker going to end up defending Devin Booker? Or is there going to be a scrap before we get on the next time? Who the hell knows? B, final thoughts? Hey, Olympic qualifiers, 
some real money. Slovenia have this kid named Luka Doncic. I don't know if you heard of him, but never heard of him. A, never heard of a, him. Dropped a thirty-one triple double, and, and they're in the. They beat Lithuania, and Slovenia's in the Olympics for the first time ever. So Luka wow. doing things overseas too, man. Wow, incredible! Who knew? I mean, man, this kid Doncic. I mean, man, he should. I th- I, th- I think he'd have a pretty good future in the NBA, wouldn't you say? I don't know if his game will translate, though. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I think he's still a year away. But but anyways, yeah, we'll definitely get some more Olympic talks once the finals ends as well. But that'll do it from this week's episode of Baller Island. Jay Sahota, Bilal Lahi, and we will see you next week. And enjoy the first few games of the NBA Finals. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Baller Island. We got a lot more content coming your way, so make sure to give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more sports news and analysis.